This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly or not so weekly as it's turned out Argyle Live podcast. Uh, it's been a very good run of results for Argyle since our last uh, appearance on the podcast. We've beaten uh, Doncaster, I think Doncaster was before the last podcast. We beat Swindon in a very exciting game at Home Park. Uh, we beat Charlton in the in the FA Cup and uh, we even beat Newport in the Cup nobody cares about. So it's been a, it's been a very good uh, run of form, four wins in a row. And we're all very happy, all a lot more optimistic about the season, I think, than when we last came on. Uh, we have a we have a crew of four tonight. Uh, we have me, of course. Uh, hello to me. We have Adam. Hello. We have Finn. Hello. And making his Argo Life debut on the podcast, we have Luke. Hello. Absolutely fantastic run of uh, run of results for Argyle. Not just in wins, but actually in performances as well. Um, uh, Charlton was a good performance. Well, worthy, worthy of the win. I didn't actually watch the Newport game, but uh, from what I've heard, it was a very good performance in that one as well. So let's let's start with you, Adam. What what are your thoughts following those games? Yeah, I mean, hard not to be pleased, right? It's, um, you know, it, trying to think back to the comments when I was last on here, which must be at least a month ago now. And, you know, I, if you appreciate my absence, I'm very sorry that I'm back. But anyway, I mean, it's it's one of those where you get results like this. You get the, the game against Swindon, the 4-2, where, I mean, bar a couple of shaky moments, were very good. You get an away win at Charlton, which, despite their rotation, were very good. And then what was effectively a friendly on Tuesday night against Newport, where, where again, by all accounts, we were very good. And you have, like, once you've get, got to the stage of the season that we are, and you're, you're against this standard of opposition, I think maybe we can discard the Newport game, but particularly Swindon, who went up with us, and Charlton, who are having a very good year, and you're putting in those performances, and you're beating those teams. It starts to give you the genuine belief, yeah, absolutely, you belong at that level. And I know... I, I, I may be with a bit of trepidation to say that people didn't think we were a League One quality side already when we when we went up. But if you think back to when we first came into League One under Derek Adams and then the start we made under, in the second season back there as well, we never really settled in to the level we were playing that until at least December, January time in, in, in both of those seasons. So the fact that we are here and able across all three competitions to show that we have got something about us, it can only be you know, a positive sign. And... 
I don't want to get over ambitious particularly because I know a lot of us would have taken mid mid table at the start of the season, and I know. Um, you know, a couple of defeats were in mid-table again, but the mood would still appear down. And it feels like quite odd to be, to be speaking like that. But I mean, wherever we go from here, unless there's a total collapse, which, I mean, to be honest, I, I can't see and I wouldn't like to see, then we, we, we've set ourselves up really nicely for, for whatever is to come. So, yeah, it, it, it's hard, to be honest, to come on here and say anything other than things are looking pretty good. Yeah, uh, Luke. I believe you saw you saw both games, didn't you? What's what's your thoughts on the uh, performance? Any standout players across again Newport? Well, we touched on very likely. I don't think any of us have actually watched it, but certainly across Charlton and Swindon, any standout players in those games that you feel is worthy of praise? Well, I think looking at the back line, really, because you think ever since we had the um, the COVID outbreak within the squad, albeit minor, we um, all saw Canavan as that key figure at the back. We've had a Poku come in and. We would have probably considered him at the start of the season a bit down the pecking order, really, because Kellen Watts looked to be decent back up there. But Apoku's been very strong, really, and um, I can't see Canavan getting in over him for a while if he keeps it up. And then coinciding with that, the two full-backs, or wing-backs even, with Edwards and Moore, who have been superb. Like Moore's keeping Cooper out of the lineup, and Cooper was one of our standout performers last year. Yeah, I think that in particular is quite incredible about, about Moore keeping Cooper out because Moore started the season at right wing back. He didn't have a bad start, but he certainly wasn't one of our standout players. He had a couple of shaky games away to Lincoln and away to Wigan, uh, whereby he made, he, made a, he made a few mistakes uh, in that week. And then even for the Doncaster game, even though we won, he was a little bit at fault for the goal. But when he got moved over to that left-hand side, when Edwards came in, he, he's put in two absolutely fantastic performances uh, over on that left-hand side against Swindon and Charlton. And Edwards has obviously filled in very well at right wing back. So it's just great to have such squad depth. Like our, our what's at the moment, our second string included Canavan, Cooper and Conor Grant. That's Canavan, who I would say is probably our best defender. George Cooper is probably our best player full stop. And Conor Grant, who's our highest goal contributor all season. And those three players are actually currently not getting into our best team. So I think I think the squad depth could really be could really be what makes this team last course over the uh, over the course of the season. Um Really, and so that was obviously uh, the defensive line, and, and obviously the wing backs. Um, Finn, any thoughts on regarding progressing in the cup? Obviously, we've drawn Lincoln at home in the second round. You know, some might say busy season. It's the best to just get the cups out of the way. But obviously, on the, the other hand, the other point of view is winning is a habit. You want to you want to win as many games as you can to, to keep the positive momentum going. Uh, any thoughts on that, Finn? Yeah, um, I mean, I've got to be honest. I didn't uh, have time to watch the Charlton game on Saturday. But um, from what I heard, it was a very good performance and it's nice to see, OK, maybe albeit uh, Charlton making some changes. But I mean, they still had the likes of Marcus Madison, who we know is a very good player at this level. Um, and um, Chuck Tanike, for example, in the team. Forster Kasky as well, Purrington and Forster Kasky, both very yeah, good players. Purrington, Forster Kasky. So it's by no means a weak side and it was really nice to see us um, get our first win away um you know, in any competition this season, and keep a clean sheet as well. And and to be honest with you, um, I know I know Swindon, I know Swindon are um, bottom of the well towards the bottom of the league, but um, they still look like a decent footballing side. But that might change now if John Sheridan goes there. <laughs> but um, but um, no, it, in all seriousness, you know, I'm after the last few games, I'm I'm quite optimistic going into, say, Portsmouth on Monday and, and, and beyond, really. 
Yeah, Portsmouth on Monday, that's a, that's a huge one. We'll obviously come to it a little bit more later on. Obviously, with the news that Luke Jeffcott, of course, would not be playing in the game. He's been caught up again by Wells under 21. We've all spoken about how much we'd love to see him uh, push on, maybe even make the Wells senior squad with the Euros coming up. Who knows if he keeps playing like this, he's got to be in the shot. But um, let's just talk a little bit about Jeffcock. And I think a lot of people that started it, because he, you know, he's been probably the, the real main player uh, since we last spoke. He got two goals against uh, Swindon and one against Charlton. That puts him up to, I think it's six six in seven games for the season. Because it's easy to forget, Jeffcock's missed a lot of the season. And he's still got six goals. He missed the Q, uh, QPR Cup game. Obviously, he was off on international duty. And he missed between... Uh, Orient and I think Orient and I think Hull inclusive of those two he missed due to an injury but obviously he scored in the Blackpool game that was the one game he played before that and then since he came back into the team against Burton he's got a further five goals maybe there were some questions asked about at the start of the season but he's absolutely answered those questions um, thoroughly hasn't he with, with absolute distinction he's come in not only is he scoring, scoring he's actually playing very well I think when you look at the sort of player that that Jeff got is it's easy to fall into the trap and think oh well he, he's a tapping merchant doesn't do much else I mean yes he does score tappings but I think if you look back to how we were at the very start of last season that's exactly what we were lacking we were lacking the sort of player that would be in the right place at the right time in the box that would be able to finish even if it's a, a half chance that comes their way and that's really encouraging and I think when you pair that going forward with, with what he does with Ryan Hardy, I mean, I remember one particular pass at the weekend from Jeff got to Hardy to set him free that was that was pretty good from his own half, if I'm remembering it right. So he's, he's not just the sort of player that's, that's only going to pop up and score a goal, as ridiculous as that sounds. He's, he's also the sort that, that can link up, that can create chances. I know, well, as far as I'm aware, he's not got an assist for the season yet, but it, it feels like he's not there just... That he's not just the sort of player who will who will score a tap in every now, now and then. He's the sort of player that, yeah, absolutely, he will score a lot of goals, and that's excellent. But he can link up as well, and he's probably, if you look at how now, you know, the, uh, an all-round package for a striker, probably the best we've got in the side. I'd say at the minute, anyway. I would say so. Look, looking towards the Pompey game a little bit, then with um, obviously Jeff Cott being out, who, who do we put in to replace him, Luke? I know you're a, you're a Great lover of Frank Newell, aren't you? So I'm, I'm sure you'll be suggesting we put him straight in the team. Well, well, it's funny you say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to raise the bat on for Timmy Abraham, actually. Because I know it, I only just found out, but he got three assists last night in the Newport game, which I wasn't aware of. And I feel like he had yeah. a bit of a different dynamic. And maybe from the start of the game, I think Timmy could have a bit more of an impetus than what Frank would. See, I think that's not a bad shout at all because I think you know, a lot of people are thinking he didn't do very well when he got his chance to start, which I think was at Lincoln. But we, you know, we we weren't very good that night. Generally, we had some good good moments, but generally Lincoln deserved the win, dominated the game against a very good team in a home game, in a game where we are controlling a bit more of the ball. I think I think he'd be a good option. I think when mm. you come in, if it is just effectively a friendly and get um, and get free assists, you know, you can't ask for much more than that apart from the goal, obviously, but. Three assists is, is obviously fantastic, and I think he's the most maybe like for like for Jeff got because you know Nuble. Um, I was being a bit sarcastic. I know Luke's not a great fan of Nuble, and neither am I. He does have something to offer, without a doubt. He can do a, a, a you know a, a target man job if you like. He can be a bit more direct, run at defenders, use his strength. But um, I think where he's best and where he has proven to be best in the last few games is bringing him on to see out a lead. I don't think he's the man to necessarily start a game. I think he is almost like. Um, 
I, I, I made a comment on Twitter the other day that would have enraged a few uh, hardcore Sarsovic fans that Cameron's basically a better version of Sarsovic. I think if you're looking at last season's squad, I think Nublet's a better version of Ryan Taylor. I think he, he's a version of Ryan Taylor that's not permanently uh, injured and can come on and, um, and, and see a game out to great aplomb. What do you think on that one, Finn? Um, I mean, I, I actually quite, I quite like Nublet as, as an option and I actually think, I do agree that he doesn't... Uh, quite fit into our style of play but I think um, I think he's a good footballer actually and I think actually if you put him if we say you know he would be the perfect striker to uh, play under De- Derek Adams um, you know so I think it all depends on styles but in terms of who I would play against Portsmouth well I think it would be quite you know naive of me not to fancy ourselves at home given our um, record under low you know overall time um, and in terms of, yeah, I, I would go with Abraham. I I saw a thing that he um, might have picked up a knock or something last night after the game because they asked it in the post-match um, interview. But I think I would go for uh, Abraham and just get, you know, so that we can play the ball on the floor. Because when we do play with Newblade, it does seem that we go a bit more automatically direct, if that makes sense. Yeah, c- completely. I mean, is that part of maybe the reason why you're a little bit more sceptical about Nuble, uh, Luke? The fact that we do seem to revert to that long ball style when he's in. Yeah, I can, I can see the, the benefits of Nuble. And it's like, you can see the goal he scored against QPR and then the header against Northampton. And um, I can definitely see the benefits, but I feel like he does change the way we play slightly. When you watch Hardy and Jeffcott play, it's very much they play as a two. But I feel like with Nuble, he's very static compared to the way the other two interchange very effectively. And I feel like when you've got Timmy, Abraham or even Telford, they're a bit more mobile. And Frank does get the ball on the floor and he's running out of defence. He'd scare anyone, I think. Like, I wouldn't want to get yeah. away. <laughs> no, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's worth pointing out with that. It's, it's not that Nublet's uh, a rubbish player at all. I think we're all agreed he's certainly got something to offer. And certainly he's a massive upgrade on our um, most of our striking options in the last two seasons, really. I think if we had if we had him last season, um, we, we, we'd have maybe been a bit better off. We wouldn't have had such a striking problem pre-Christmas. And certainly, you know, crikey, imagine if we'd had him 18-19 season. We would almost certainly have stayed up. Um, because he would actually have been a good mobile uh, forward option that, that would have actually... Um, uh, not not been injured all the time. And Sam speaking as if he wouldn't Ladapo. have been on the bench behind Freddie Ladapo. You're a well, dreamer, yeah, Sam. Sorry, yeah. Who, who sounds like they're swatting a fly in the background there? It's quite distracting, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel with um, Nublé, if you had him in that team where we had the Jervis um, slew out wide, he'd definitely be an upgrade on Jordan slew. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, 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 I think those out. players would, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, well, that, that, that's promotion winner Jordan Slew, but uh, but still, yeah, but yeah, he's, really uh, he's, he's uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a good option to have for sure. Um, and I, but I just think that for starting a game, particularly at home when we're trying to take the game, I, I'm not, I don't think he's the one. Um, I'm not saying we play mega long ball when he starts to happen. Some games we started, we played some very good football, like we played some pretty good football at home to Burton and Northampton. We certainly played some good football going forward away to Wimbledon before all. But is he is he the one is he the one to really bring the most out of our creative players? I would say not. 
I suppose the only other option then would be Telford. He was a bit of a funny one because he started the season brightly. He got two goals against you know Norwich under twenty ones and and then Wimbledon, but. Since then, you know, he's come on. He's had a lot of chances to score. He's not done dreadfully off the bench by any stretch of the imagination. He's not like he's come on and done nothing. He's always putting up, you know, at least probably I would say a solid six out of ten off the bench. But he's also not not done what Hardy's done, Jeff Cott's done, even Abraham, you could say, did last night. He's not been that player we all hoped for when he first signed in the summer of 2019. He's not gone and really put his stamp on a game. Because, like I said, you rarely see him have below a six out of ten. But you also rarely see him have above a seven. He's never really had that game where he really stamps his authority on there. I mean, Adam, what, what do you think? He, he, you know, I think he's maybe not a flop, but he's been a bit of a disappointment to what he, what he hoped when he first came. Even he, on the last season, you know, injuries come into play a little bit. But this season, now he's fully fit. You could still say he's been a bit of a disappointment. Do you think he's got much of a future on Argyle, Adam? To be honest, I'm probably in the minority, certainly of at least people on this podcast right now, in the sense that I'd probably opt for him to start against Portsmouth in all honesty of the options we have I think Interesting. you are right to the extent that he's not exactly set the world alight since he's been here I don't think anyone would 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 claim that in their right mind but I do feel like for, for a game like this and again particularly against Portsmouth who who we know like to keep the ball he's probably the sort of player that would be a better option than say a Timmy Abraham and I know that's a very small sample size. But you think the two games Abraham was, um, by, by all means, I didn't watch last night, but by all accounts, he was very good. I saw his three assists. Fantastic. But playing against Newport County in essentially a friendly is very different to playing in, against Portsmouth in League One, particularly when both sides are challenging at the top of the league. And from what I've seen of Telford, compared to, say, what I saw with Abraham um, against Lincoln in particular, I mean, that was the, the definition of quiet for a striker. I, I can't remember the stat it was, but I think he might have touched the ball something ridiculous a ridiculously small amount of times across the game he, he was it was totally out of it and i fear it was i think it was only genuinely about four or five times it was something like that wasn't it and i fear like that, that yeah. if he started against against portsmouth that they could possibly play him out of the game in a similar way lincoln did. of course I, I hope i'm wrong and if he does start I, I hope he is able to deliver a similar performance to what he did on tuesday night but for me, I think Telford, I may be like looking at it taking the safer option here, but I feel like Telford's delivered at least a few more times so far to give me the confidence that if we put him in, he'd at least do a job for us, whether that is a 6 out of 10 or whatever. It would at least be something that we're able to build on. And as, as the more yeah. general point that you mentioned with Telford, I mean, yeah, yeah, as I say, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. He's not been, say, I don't know, a 20-goal-a-season striker or anything like that that we're we were perhaps hoping for and, and alluding to when he first joined. But he, he's not been a dud either. And I think in a game where, I don't know, maybe maybe that's the difference between us. Maybe it's that um, I'm here taking the safe option, everybody wants to gamble. And that's completely fair enough on both sides. But I think for me, looking at it as I am, I think Telford's the, the, the safe option for a game like this. And I, I, I'd, I'd plug him into that hole for, for Monday. So we are, we are where we are with that. So moving back on to the discussion, um, three of us saying Abraham, Adam saying Telford, Ryan Lowe will probably say Newville, let's be honest, <laughs> to, make, to make the discussion completely irrelevant. But but there we are. We'll see how it goes. Um, just a few, a few more players then worthy of praise. I think I think this is going to be a very happy podcast. It did not many... Normally, we have a little bit of an argument, a little bit of a moan about something. Even when we're doing well, there's normally one area for improvement. But I think, yes, you know, the way we played the last three games, there's very few, just a few more players who I think really um, were worthy of praise, I guess. I think Mike Cooper, um, I want to just give, give a shout-out to, who's come on absolutely fantastically. He had that 
uh, absolutely, you know, really impressive league debut against Blackpool, but he really, you know, put put his put his um, stamp, if you like, uh, on the team. You know, we're thinking, wow, you know, nine out of ten performance, uh, first league game for a goalkeeper, and he makes some fantastic saves, plays very well. Then he and Ryan Lowe comes out after the game, which said, oh well, he's going to make this football club millions, isn't he? But um, and then and, and then and then he just goes past Sam, them in hell. Sam, yeah, you, you, you need a you need a long look in the mirror to consider what you've just done. Oh, that accent was perfect. <laughs> and this yeah, is what we have, Nick. <laughs> I think it went a bit Mancunian, didn't it, rather than Scouse? But uh, <laughs> just you yeah, know. yeah. Anyway, I think I think it went a bit Mancunian. But anyway, but but Ryan Lowe came out and said he's going to make the club millions, uh, which I kind of had had a fear at the time was kind of maybe in the vein of a Ryan Taylor will get twenty goals a season comment. But uh, then obviously after that, Cooper goes and kind of has the week from hell at Orient at Wimbledon, where he does concede seven goals, unfortunately, and he. Could have done better for, shall we say, quite a few of them at least. But since then, um, you know, maybe he had, he had a little bit of a mistake for the Lincoln uh, second goal. But apart from that, he's, he's really gone from strength to strength, hasn't he? He's, he's making very good saves. He's dominating his area a lot better than he did. He's coming out and collecting the ball with confidence. Maybe in the early games, he was a bit uh, hesitant. Now he's coming out of a lot more confidence. And and special word for his kicking. Again, we're seeing a lot less balls uh hoof that play than what we were in the early games and we're seeing a lot more really good targeted direct kicks down the field not just kicking into space but kicking aiming for a player which has come on uh, superbly uh, other players were, where I know maybe was worthy of a little bit of discussion Apoku I mean I know that Luke was very positive about him at the start of the the podcast I certainly think there is a lot to praise I um think he's maybe he, he's made a couple of mistakes as well I think it's one of those scenarios whereby Canavan, I think, is the better defender, but I wouldn't change the team up yet because I think clearly Lowe is a believer of don't change a winning team, which I'm a bit less sold on. I think sometimes you kind of need to change a winning team, but I, I, I certainly would say don't change a three, you know, a three in a, a three in a row winning team. I think when it's a three in a row winning team, there's clearly a, a good chemistry there and a good, a good momentum as much as anything that you don't want to change. Um, so I, I, I definitely think don't change a three in a row winning team, and I think Apoku. He did make a couple of mistakes against Swindon a couple of times where he, he maybe went away from his man a little bit, a couple of times where he missed the flight of the ball. But he really, really improved against Charlton. Really good performance there. And obviously, again, another young player, very much like Kellen Watts, was a little bit shaky when he first came in. But he's really growing, you know, growing his craft well, uh, learning his craft well, I should say, and, and, and becoming a good option for us. And I, just, I think, again, it speaks to our squad depth that, you know, the, the effect the reserves team last night was, it included Wooten and Canavan, who... You know, for all the fact they get slated a little bit, both had good seasons last season and both were, both were, you know, very much expected to be a big part of this season. And they're not getting in the team. Grant's not getting in the team. Cooper's not getting in the team. Uh, just uh, Nubay yeah. and Telford aren't getting in the team. <laughs> so much depth. And I think the depth, more than anything, is what makes me really excited about this season because classic example of how a good first 11 uh, can suffer from no depth 17 18 after Christmas. Sarsovic got injured. Bradley got injured. Taylor got injured. Matthews, I think, had family circumstances, so he had he had to go away. But um, uh, for for a couple of games. But those four those four players were all out for a certain length of time. And I think then, I think there might have been even a couple of others. I think even Frelko may have got an injury as well towards the end of that season. So, and those obviously those were all key players. Whereas now we've got a team who could very much cope with three or four injuries uh, and still have a very strong eleven. Well, I mean, heck, we kind of already have uh, McLeod and Sawyer and uh, and, and McCormick all injured at the same time so you know that 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 that's that speaks to the, the um, depth, strength and depth and is our first 11 as good as the first 11 from 
kind of December 2017 to March 2018? Possibly not. I still don't think there's a lot in there, but possibly not. But is our squad better? Without a doubt, our squad is, is much better because we've got so much incredible strength and depth. There's lots to you know, keep an eye on there, I think. I mean, there, there's a, a couple of points about the depth of the poker. I mean, starting with a poker at the back, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement in the sense that he certainly had his best game in an Argyle shout so far against Charlton on Saturday. That being said, there, there have been a few mistakes in there that I think we need to... Um, it's the same with every defender I think we've played this season. They just make a few mistakes, they settle in and then go on with it. I'm looking particularly at, say, Will Ameson, who had a bit of a shocker against Wimbledon. But but since he's come back from, from COVID and been back in the team, it's like he's never been away and he's got going again. With Apoku, I think he's someone that Lowe will stick with. I think he's a player that Lowe likes. And I think that's almost in a sense of, of, of what he offers... Um, in starting attacks as well as is the way that he, he operates at the back. I think against Swindon, I saw he, across the 90 minutes, completed, according to, to who scored, 100% of his passes, which is pretty insane. I think it's something like 53 out of 53. And that's clearly the way Lowe wants to use him going forward from the centre and and you know starting attacks from there. And if he can cut out the, the little errors in defence as well, then we've got a very good player on our hands, similar, as you say, Sam, to, to how Watts started and how he's developed. So... Good signs there, particularly from Saturday as well. In terms of the, the depth point generally, I think the, the best way you can look at it, I mean, you mentioned the injuries we've had. I'll throw in that we've had um, Connor Grant with COVID, Ameson I mentioned with COVID. You mentioned that we've missed Jeff Cott for a while as well. Yeah. We had um, Canavan and Wooten who, who, who had to isolate. And, and suddenly you realise, you know, that's almost um, a full 11 who have at some point this season had a bit of a knock and, had, and been somebody that we've had to take out. And... In a lot of those games, you, you you barely feel it. We've got that sort of depth now that allows us to cover all but the worst of an injury crisis, I think. Now, that that can be caveated, obviously, by the sense that, you know, not all of those injuries are at the same time. And say that you were missing all of those players at the same time, how would we cope? It's hard to say. I hope we don't have to find out. But a darn sight better than we would in previous years, that's for sure. Absolutely. I, I should just point out for the record, it wasn't actually ever, I think, officially confirmed Ameson had COVID, but we obviously had a player... Uh, no, I, I think I think it was uh, Low said we we had a player who tested positive, but then uh, Ainson kind of didn't play for the next couple of games. So I think everybody right, kind fair. of drew conclusions from that. But yes, you know, almost certainly that that was what happened. But um, yeah, I'm just saying you're saying that for the record. I don't think anybody's going to sue us, but it's best to be safe. But uh, anyway, Ainson who who missed a couple of games for unspecified reasons. I completely agree with the the wider point that you're that you're making there. Absolutely. Um, Joe Edwards actually is one I want to touch on a bit more specifically. He was a player who I was a little bit sceptic of. I thought he was very much a bit of a bits and pieces player, you know, jack of all, jack of all uh, spades, that master of none. If you like, he was even a bit okay at everything, but wasn't ever really going to be a, a player who put in an eight or a nine out of ten. But against Doncaster and Swindon and Charlton, he put in some some very good performances indeed, getting up and down the line well, and actually demonstrating a, a better passing range than I'd actually seen before. I always, you know, didn't really rate his passing range all that highly, but he did he did put some very good passes in and. Um, yeah, very very happy with with how he's played. How he's played in that one. Um, Luke, Luke, what about, what about you? What's your thoughts on Edwards as a player and how he's been? Well, I've been surprised with Edwards. I think we knew he had it in his locker after that away performance of Crawley last year, and he scored two, didn't he? And yeah. he looked quite useful out wide and a bit bit of a handful. We haven't quite seen that side of him for a while, but I think especially with the introduction of Kamara, who I think we should touch on. The yeah, forgot it. Yeah, got been, um, that extra cover, and because I think he's been um, quite a handful, and I think he's been stronger than Byron Moore, and um, yeah, just very dangerous both offensively and he's solid 
offensively. I would just say about Adam Moore, I think having seen him on the right side and the left side um, this season, I think he um, is, well, definitely more in the game on the left side. He's, I don't know, he just seems to, I mean, not to mention that, I mean, he, he's kept George Cooper out of the team in the last few games, hasn't he, by scoring, um, by getting three assists in three games, essentially. So, um, from the left side, whereas the right side... um. He wasn't as good, but obviously we know he can play left, uh, you know, left side, right side, and even up front if he needed to. So to have that player is uh, good. You and obviously need that I, sort of player ultimately, don't you? The sort of player that can cover in a lot of places and not just be the jack of all trades, but to actually be able to have an influence. I think, particularly with the last few games, the way he's been playing on the left, we've been doing well. Maybe it's a coincidence, maybe it's not, but I think certainly the what he offers to the squad. And I know similarly with Edwards as well, the fact that he can has shown that not only can he cover on the right, he can put in some very good performances on the right, particularly you know, uh, uh, against um, Doncaster, against Swindon, I think against Wigan as well. He had, he had a decent time there. So it's, it, it, it's certainly one of those um, where it, it, it kind of feels like, I, I know I'm going over ground a little bit, but it does feel like all bar the worst injury crisis, we will not only have someone who can cover a position, but somebody who can come in and actively make a difference. And that's a great place to be. Yeah, yeah. I think with the um, whole Byron Moore on the left, I think his sort of like improvement is somewhat down to Danny Mayer. Because obviously Mayer takes so much impetus off the wing back. He takes players with him and um, he does leave quite a gap. So I feel like Maybe playing on the left is that an easier job than playing on the right? But um, we talk about Kamara, we talk about Mayer, and obviously we'd be touched on the squad depth. The forgotten man, Ben Reeves, still to come back if we get him firing. Yeah. But it's good. We've got a lot of depth in that sort of midfield five. But uh, honestly, yeah. I don't think if we got an injury, I think we'd be fine. Yeah, we do. I think Camera, yeah, you are quite right. It, uh, uh, Mia Cole, I completely forgot. I think he, he is absolutely worthy of special praise. I think he's been absolutely sublime since coming back in. I think pe- people will, will appreciate the fact he runs and runs and runs. And, and yes, he absolutely does. Uh, you know, very, you know all, all the things that people often pick up on. Uh, very, very, very quick, very energetic, uh, powerful as well. But I think actually what maybe goes a little bit underappreciated in that is, is his technical ability. I don't think he's got a lot to offer. Uh, Technique-wise, his close control of the ball is is excellent. His passing is excellent. Um, The only maybe slight criticism I have is that he's he's maybe a bit of an anti-Mare. He's an anti-like Danny Mare's problem is he he doesn't shoot often enough. I think Camera's maybe a bit the other way. He kind of very rarely sees his shot he doesn't fancy. But but that aside, I think he's been absolutely fantastic. He's really linked play well. And I think Conor Grant, as much as I have my victory lap about Conor Grant, I stuck up for (laughs) Conor for a very long time and I was delighted. But... You can't get you can't get back in the team, can he? The way Cameron's played, certainly not for now. Maybe if anything, you could put an argument for him to play over over Fauna at defensive centre midfield. Certainly over Camera in right centre midfield. No, I think Cameron's well and truly earned his spot on the team. I think, like I said, I think he's a better version of Sarsovic. He does all the stuff Sarsovic does well. With, you know, the directness, the energy, the high intensity, the pressing. But what he also offers, uh, as well as that, the Sarsovic does is a bit more end product. And, and a bit more passing ability, certainly in certainly in, in around the final third um, as well. So I think, yeah, re- really promising player, and just obviously adds to the adds to the depth and, and indeed the breadth of talent that that we've got um, with him. Adam, Adam, what's your take on the kind of moving forward? I know, I know, I know. I said we often have a have a little bit of a minor moan, even when we are winning. 
maybe you know horrible to single players out. Maybe Fauna's been maybe the slight weak link. If anything, a couple of times where he's not really plugged the gap in midfield. Maybe quite well enough as what he should do. A couple of times where he's maybe not really imposed himself on the game. Would that be fair, or is that being too nitpicky? I think if we are going to look at this as as, as where can where can we improve, then yeah, that that is probably the the, the first name that will come into my head as well. I mean. As you say, it's us being ultra critical, and it, it, it's just to offer, offer another angle. But if there was somewhere that I think maybe we could slot in Conor Grant, maybe for example with the way that Ben Reeves came on against Hull in that deep position, if we get him up to full fitness, that could be the sort of area that we would have him in. But again, that 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 is us just um, looking to to make an already good team even better, rather than us saying, "Oh, God, Fawn is terrible. We need to get him out immediately." You know, I've not been convinced by him, but at the same time. He's been in the side for, for for a really good run of form, so so you know it'd be um, have to be well reasoned to for for Lowe to to drop him out now. I mean, is it a fair comment? Uh, I'm, I'm 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 gonna be awful and sit on the fence and say yes and no. Like you know, if 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 somebody was to to hold a gun to my head and say who who would you take out of this Argyle team? They'd be a, a really weird serial killer, and I'd probably say Fauna. No, no offence, Tyrese. We don't want you to be killed, honestly. <laughs> Adam, uh, <laughs> Adam tonight has been, has been a complete loose cannon. He's going around distributing illnesses to players who uh, have been unproven. Yeah, yeah. Been... No, I, uh, I'm a super spreader at this rate. I'm plotting serial deaths as well. So it's, uh, yeah. If any serial killers do turn up in the Plymouth area, we'll be looking in the direction of Adam Price. Uh, so... I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I think with the um, whole Conor Grant as a defensive midfielder, um, I'm glad Nick's not here because he'll, he'll shoot my opinion down. But um, I think we see that Lowe... Oh, Nick, Nick to... people down, really? Has he ever done yeah, that? Yeah, uh, it's never happened before. It's quite <laughs> One day we'll have, we'll have Nick and Luke on the same podcast and I'll, I'll just be in the corner eating popcorn. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, I have quite rash opinions of things I see. Nick has rash opinions of numbers. <laughs> and these yeah. numbers tend to outweigh my eyes. So um, we see that, obviously, last season we saw Baxter try to be played there. And this season, he started with McLeod and then obviously Grant, Reeves. I think that Lowe, I think he wants to play uh, like a proper ball-playing, more like possession-based midfielder there than the Bakington and 4 we usually plug the gap with and then end up sticking with it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I think that's it. Because I think that's his long-term game. Because I think the player actually last season, who we had the real best run of form with in that deep lying role wasn't actually Baxter or Bakerson or even Edwards. If only it was actually Josh Grant, he was the one who we had that fantastic yeah, run of form yeah, Christmas yeah. in the early New Year with. Um, and obviously now he's now he's obviously sadly gone to another club. But I think that was the real mould, if you like, the real prototype of of what Lowe really wants at that position because it has been a I'm not going to say problem position because when we've had a, a, such a fantastic season in the bit as Ryan Lowe's had joining us, it feels churlish to talk of problem positions, but that's been the position that he's never really got the, the what you'd call a perfect candidate for uh, as yet because you, you've maybe got Baxter and Reeves who are very good at the creative aspect, not so good at the defensive aspect. And then you've got Edwards um, and McLeod and, and, and even Fauna who, who've shown their strengths in the defensive aspect of it, but aren't so good at the creative aspect maybe. Um, Josh Grant was the one, really. Obviously, he he got had his problems with injuries, and then obviously, of course, the season was cut short due to the virus. And but when he was playing, Josh Grant was the one, really. I think who really showed the best of both worlds, if you like, more than any other player would, because he was very good and 
uh, defensively, very good tracking his man, very good in the tackle. But he was also he was also no you know no mug at, at, at the passing side of it and at the creativity side of it. So I think he's worthy of he, he was worthy of some praise there. You could Ashley, look, maybe I, I think it could be one of those that you look at maybe similar to a poker as well than the way that you may want to pick your battles in terms of who you're playing. If it's a case that we do expect to have a lot of the ball with the way that a poker's done well building up from the back, he'd be a decent one to play. And similarly in midfield, if it is a game where you're expecting maybe at home, you're going to have possession, maybe looking at a, a, a Ben Reeves or Conor Grant in that deep position may be good. Whereas if you're potentially going to be overrun, say you're a, a, a way to, you know, I, I guess maybe... Uh, Peterborough, Lincoln, Portsmouth, somebody like that. Then looking at Fauna, looking at bringing Canavan to the back line, maybe the way to go. And it kind of links back to what you were saying, Sam, about Lowe not wanting to change a winning team when sometimes you might have to. So it it, it does strike me as we've got um, a lot of different options in that deep midfield position that could well serve themselves well against different types of opponents as we go through the season. You know Sorry, can I just um, say one last thing on the defensive yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, the other option that we have seen a couple of times already this season, and I think could quite, uh, work quite well, is a slight tweak in formation. So we have um, two, two filters behind a more advanced eight or a ten. So we have Grant and Kamara, and they kind of complement each other quite well. You know, Kamara is a bit more um, athletic and uh, physical, whereas Grant's a bit more technical. Um, so I think they, that could work as well. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, you kind of, you know, uh, tackle the DM role by effectively doing away with it, if you like, by putting that um, by, by putting that sort of two and then a one in front rather than a one and then a two in front. That's an option. And I suppose the other option could be the formation that we played against Norwich last night, which was a bit of like a diamond. I know that you don't exactly lose the DM with a diamond, but it's obviously a DM in a different context. It, it's a DM uh, with obviously only one, um, only one, midfielder in front of him but because you've got the two wide forwards obviously the wing backs are very much pushed back in that the wing backs are more defensive wing backs rather than in the 3-5-2 the wing backs are very much primarily attackers maybe in that 3-4-3 the wing backs are kind of pushed back a bit because you've got the wide forwards obviously up top so that that's something definitely worth looking at as well that would that would be an option maybe if, you, if you're not entirely comfortable with a certain dm you could switch to that formation and push the wing backs back and the wing backs Certainly, if they're more in Edwards, would, could, could certainly provide a lot of support there. And then you've got Mayor in the attacking role. You would presumably have Mayor absolutely, you know, works works into um. Well, I'm going to say well. I'm going to yeah. Well, works in bollocks off. That's what I'm going to say. Probably going to be edited oh. out. But he uh, he works in <laughs> off every game. And, uh, Grace. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of a more suitable alternative <laughs> at the moment. So. Mayor, Mayor absolutely work, works hard uh, every Good. game without shadow of a doubt. And then he he would get back in support. So that's a good alternative option. Absolutely. So. Going looking ahead, then obviously we've got the game on Monday night against Tompey. Uh, we'll try and do another podcast after that because I think then again it's it, it's there's obviously not a midweek it's second. It's a Monday night, so it's the Monday night game, and then the following game after that's not going to be to the next Saturday. So we'll uh, we'll do another podcast after Pompey. But first, looking ahead to that game, uh, I'll actually go through predictions. I think that we will hopefully try and take the game to them. Uh, as I said, I think I would I would start Abraham or maybe Telford above Newbill, but I think even if we do start Newbill. Uh, Nuble, as I should say, we should still take the game to them, most likely. Uh, and I think, you know what, sort of, I'm optimistic. I fancy us to be anywhere at home park um, at the moment. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Argyle win. Adam? Yeah, I'm going to be optimistic as well. I think we'll we'll miss Jeff Gott a lot, but I still fancy this side. I'm also going to go 2-1 Argyle. Luke? 
I'm, I think it'll be a bit tighter because Kenny Jackson's team is already set up quite well. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't see people beating us at home park. So I'm going to go 2-0 Argo. I'd bloody love it. You, you, hang on, you said it'd be a bit tighter. And a bit tighter with a comfortable 2-0 <laughs> victory. I'll see how it is. <laughs> I, I love how you, you persuaded yourself to change your mind on that midway through. Well, yeah, like, well, I was thinking 1-0, but I thought that's quite rare. But saying that, yeah, we just won on the weekend. So my point <laughs> is... If you're in a hole, stop digging. And finally, Finn. Yeah, I mean, after a bumpy start, they've really picked up, haven't they, Portsmouth? And um, they've got some really good players and... Whatever your opinions on Kenny Jacket, you know I'm not. I'm sure some Portsmouth fans aren't too keen on him at the moment, but he's an experienced manager and proven to get results at this level. Um, so I think it will be tight, but I would fancy ourselves at home. And in the current run of form we're in, I don't really see us fearing anybody. So I'm going to go two one as well. Okay, well that concludes this evening's green and white. We hope you all enjoy listening. Anyway, thank you very much. We've all enjoyed it um, and we hope you enjoy listening to it as well. We shall see you again next week, which will hopefully follow an Argyle victory. From all of us here, good night. Good night. night. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.